back to the Dante's Divine Comedy Podcast. Hope you're having a great morning, great day, maybe a cup of coffee if this is early. My name is Richard, I will be your host today, and we're now going to look at, in the same beautiful coffee talk uh, mood here, we're going to look at the first letter of Dante that he wrote to Cardinal Niccolò da Prato in 1304. So Dante has 13 epistles, or letters, that we that have we still have today, and the first one is also very interesting, but we have to look at the historical context. So we're going to have a couple of episodes now just uh, outlining what is happening in Florence from the beginning of 1300 and until 1304, when Dante writes this letter. Uh, because it's hard to understand the, the, the significance and the meaning of this letter without knowing the situation in Tuscany and in Italy and Dante's personal situation at the time. Uh, so we're going to look in this episode only at like half a year from the beginning of 1300 until June 15 in the same year, in 1300, when Dante becomes a prior, this, uh, a member of this council of just six people who are governing the city of Florence. And it also, that period starts with the rivalry between two big families in Florence. So we're going to go through, kind of, it's, a, it's an interesting story, it's almost a bit like novel-like, the, the events of this year. So in the beginning of the year 1300, all of Florence and all of Italy was at peace. And then you had the Jubilee in Rome with Pope Boniface VIII. The Jubilee is this, um, this uh, event that where people can go and get salvation in uh, Rome, they get a remission for the penal consequences of sin granted by the Roman Catholic Church. But the first one was made by Pope Boniface. So this is then the year 1300. This is also the year that the whole Divine Comedy is set in, so that's also interesting. And that Florence is prosperous, it's growing in its inhabitants, its wealth and influence, and it's ruling almost all of Tuscany. But then this also brings forth pride and corruption, one of the main themes of Dante's comedy, and uh, something he's consistently uh, attacking Florence for. Uh, and already from spring in the year 1300, the conflicts are starting to emerge between the two big families, which are the Donatis and the Cerchis. So those are the two main families. And then the Cerchi the head of the Cerchi family is Messer Vieri. So he's a merchant. He's then said to be a very nice man. He's not a big speaker, orator, and he was seen to be uncultivated. It's kind of someone who, uh, from, from more uh, simple beginnings, kind of grows into wealth, but then he's not accepted by the, the aristocracy at the time. Which is then the family Donati, with uh, Corso Donati as the head of the family. And they are all noble blood, but they are now not as rich as the Cherkis, which is then a really strong source of, of uh, tension between these two families. And then there's also a thing that Corso Donati marries uh, Acerito da Gaville, who is a relative of the Cherkis. And this was also not, uh, not something that the Cherki family was happy about. So this is kind of the setup in the beginning of 1300 with these two families, Donati and Cherkis. And then on top of this, you get another feud imported into Florence. So you have the Cancellieri family, who will by then split into two branches. So they are descendant of uh, Sir Cancelliere, who was a rich merchant. He had many sons. They, many of them became rich knights. 
and then they again had many sons. So around the year 1300, they had over 100 men at arms in the Cancellieri family. So they were one of the greatest families in Tuscany. But then the size the, and the wealth and the power, that kind of, uh, again, then creates envy and hatred. And uh, something starts here with then the descendants of one wife whose name was Bianca came in conflict with those of another wife and they took on the name Neri. So Bianca is a, is a common name, but it means literally white. And therefore they became the whites and then the other one took the name, the blacks, the Neri. And then they, these two groups, like the, you get a fight between them and then one Bianchi was wounded. And then the Neri faction sends the offender to the Bianchi asking for a pardon and also saying that they can have the vengeance they want. And then what the Bianchi does then is they say, okay, and then they cut off his hand. And that was seen as a, as a sort of an overreaction. So from there on, the two factions and the family of Cancellieri was divided and they were living in Pistoia. So this then splits the city of Pistoia into two parts. So this then, what happens is that the Guelphs in Florence, that's kind of the, there's an older rivalry that we're not going to talk about now, but you had the Guelphs and the Ghibellini, that's very much in the whole 1200s. But by the 1300, the year 1300, the Guelphs had won, so they are ruling Florence. But they are now worried about this, this conflict, this feud in Pistoia. So what they do is that they occupy the city and then they, uh, they sent for the heads of the Bianchi and Neri factions to come to Florence and to make peace between them. But what happens is the opposite. <laughs> what happens is that the Neri faction of the Cancellieri, they go to the Donati family and then the Bianchi faction, they go to the Cerchi. So you just amplify the rivalry in Florence by importing another conflict <laughs> from another city. So then you have the same rivalry being set in Florence between the Bianchi now and the Neri. And also note here that Dante was a Bianchi. He was with the Cerchi family. So it's also helpful to remember at this time, so politics at this time was mostly about families and the private feuds not so much about principles or ideologies. So there is a secondary thing here where they are siding with the Pope or with the Emperor, but that is usually not the main thing. This is something that comes afterwards. So it's, it's mostly a, a power struggle between the ruling families. And then, so you have an older feud, as an example, you have the older feud from 1215, uh, which we're not going to talk more about, but like you had the Buon del Monte and Amadei, they created Guelph and Ghibellines in the first place. And that created so much conflict and civil war in Florence in the 1200s. And now at the beginning of 1300, you have the Donatis and the Cerchis as the Neris and the Bianchis kind of set up most in some part kind of the same interest in some ways. So anyways, Florence is then torn apart again at the beginning of the year 1300. The Neri with the Donati and Pazzi family, they become the party of the nobles. And the Bianchi, they are the party of moderation and of the people. They want the liberty of the Florentines. They are also then the merchants in some sense. So next step then is that 
The Bianchi are in full control of the city, but they are good rulers, and they're also popular. To some extent, even with what was called the Populani, which was kind of the rich people who wanted uh, sort of an oligarchy, or they wanted a, like, uh, like a strong authority and suppress the people. But they still were largely okay with the Bianchi because they were mostly just concerned about kind of the merchants and they didn't they didn't uh, go so much against the the rich families so then uh, many citizens and powerful families thus enrolled themselves under the banners of the cerchi as popular rulers and among these were dante his uh, self-proclaimed first friend from vitanova guido cavalcanti and dino compagni and, in fact, all who desired peace and equality. This is according to Charles Latham, his book about the letters of Dante. And as an aside here, so Guido Cavalcanti, his father Cavalcante di Cavalcanti, is in Inferno 10. So he's put into Inferno. He's, so the father of Guido Cavalcanti was one of the Epicureans, and the Epicureans were seen as heretics, and they were then put into, <laughs> into Inferno in, in Dante's Divine Comedy. Uh, and they were also, the Epicureans were also denying the immortality of the soul. And that's one of the main charges against them as heretics. Uh, there's a very interesting passage and from Inferno when he, when Dante, like the pilgrim, meets the father of Guido. Just going to do this as a little bit of a, a connection here to the historical part of, of the comedy. So when the, in chapter 10, Canto 10, they've just uh, gone through the gates of Dies, which is the, the, the city of kind of the underworld, the city of hell. <laughs> when they go into that in chapter 10, they meet a, a group of souls, and then he says here, Just then along that same tomb's open ledge, a shade appeared, but just down to his chin, beside the other, I think he got up kneeling. He looked around as though he hoped to see if someone else perhaps had come with me and when his expectation was deceived, he started weeping. If it be great genius that carries you along through this blind jail, where is my son? Why is he not with you? So this is again Cavalcante de Cavalcanti asking Dante about Guido de Cavalcanti. I do not come alone, I said to him. That one waiting over there guides me through here. The one perhaps your Guido held in scorn. This is then referring to Virgil that Guido held in scorn, most likely. The place of pain assigned him, and what he asked already had revealed his name to me and made my pointed answer possible. Instantly, he sprang to his full height and cried, What did you say? He held? Is he not living? The day's sweet light no longer strikes in his eyes. And when he heard the silence of my delay responding to his question, he collapsed into his tomb, not to be seen again. And this is the end of the little passage with the father of Guido, the Cavalcanti. And the little point at the end here, the silence, is because Guido de Cavalcanti died in August 1300, a little bit after or kind of just a few months after the time in 
the Inferno itself, which is then again 1300. But it's also a, a kind of a poetic way of expressing both Dante's surprise. So this is deep into the comedy kind of interpretation, but but he was surprised that people in Inferno couldn't see the present time. They knew about the future and the past, but they couldn't see the present time. So he's he's uh, he's a bit surprised by this, but also he knows that Guido is almost dead. He's a few months away from from having deceased at that time. So this is uh, where we have the reference to Guido Cavalcanti in the Divine Comedy. And he's also important in the sense that he was a major poet in the, the times of Dante. And then in addition to being his first friend, he cultivated a highly philosophical poetic style and he influenced Dante's own poetry. So back to the events in Florence, we have the first months of 1300 and then tensions are rising between these two families. And you had mostly in the beginning kind of insults and, and tensions. Uh, you have examples of kind of calling names like uh, Corso Donati called Vieri, the head of the Cherkis, Lasino di Porta, which is a way of saying calling him a donkey, which was then how he referred to that the, the Cherki family, the head of the family was not a good orator. So what happens next is that the head of the Cherki family, Vieri, goes to Pope Boniface VIII because there are concerns in Rome about the, the, the rivalries and these tensions in Florence. So Pope Boniface VIII is offering him blessings if the rivalry ends. But Vieri says there are no quarrels, that he had no quarrels with anyone and leaves, which infuriates Pope Boniface. So at this point, it's not quite clear what the, the games from Boniface is, but that becomes much clearer very, very soon. <laughs> so uh, what happens then on May 1st, 1300, like a little bit later in the same spring, you start the bloodshed. And this is a very, very important event. So you had the Piazza di Santa Trinita, which is in front of, is next to the a beautiful bridge in Florence and a beautiful church. Uh, it's it's a very nice place. The church in Santa Trinita is one of the most beautiful ones in many ways. And they have this Capelli Sassetti with uh, huge frescoes about the life of St. Francis made by uh, Ghirlandaio, which is hugely recommended to see. So at this piazza in front of the church, you have bands of uh, young people from the Cerchi and Donati families and supporters on horses. And you get a quarrel, you have violence, several people are wounded, and then one of the Cherkis has his nose cut off from his face. And as an example, according to the historian Villani, who is a contemporary, he lived from 1280 to 1348, he's kind of one of the main sources of the events, he says that this day on May the 1st is the beginning of the factions and so much evil in Florence and also that spreads to the rest of Italy. So this is when it has changed from kind of tensions, disagreements to violence and, and the early parts of, kind of a brimming civil war in the city. And then during this time, when you had the forming of the factions in Florence, we have no knowledge about Dante, whether he is in the city or not in this first few months of 1300. There is, we have no sources, no documents on this. It's often believed that he was in Rome within this time period for the Jubilee uh, and just seeing the Holy Roman Catholic Church there. But what we do know is on June the 15th, he is in the city because that's the date when he is elected a prior of Florence. 
meaning a member of this ruling council of just six people, two months at a time, uh, who are then uh, representatives of the guilds, kind of the crafts, uh, different uh, crafts organizations in Florence at the time. And then Dante's later words on this event about June the 15th, 1300, is that he says, all my woes and misfortunes had their cause and beginning in my unlucky election to the priorate, of which, though I was not on the score of prudence worthy, nevertheless, on the score of fidelity and age, I was not unworthy. So this is this is the period we're going to cover in this episode, just from these two families, the Donatis and the Cerchi, or the Bianchi and the Neri, and then how this also is the, the situation when Dante is kind of ascending in politics into being one of the priors. So we're just going to have a couple of, of facts about this priorate in Florence. Uh, it was called a priorati delle arti, meaning an arts in the time was craft and skill, uh, and then science was the body of knowledge. This is the old version of art and sciences, it's kind of knowledge and skills. So you had at the time 21 different guilds, and you had seven main guilds, and then 14 of the, the middle and the smaller guilds. The main guilds, just for fun here, you have the art of wool, art of judges and notaries, art of merchants, art of exchange, art of silk, art of doctors, and art of furriers, kind of fur dealers. So this is mostly merchants or crafts people. And then, in the beginning, you had just three priors in this, the priorate from the seven major arts. And then later you get six members. And this is how it was in Dante's time, in this summer for Dante. And to be uh, a part of the priorate, you only have to be registered in one of the crafts. Later you have to be active as well. And uh, it, at a later point, there was had 12 priors. So, but again, there were only two months at a time. It's also very interesting. They lived in Torre della Castagna, which is the, the chestnut tower in Florence. It's next to Casa di Dante. It's, a, it's in many ways a beautiful tower. When they were elected for this, uh, for this office, they could not leave this tower. They could not communicate with anyone except for public audiences. And also the election of the priors were secret ballots by the previous priors, heads of arts, and then some magistrates. So this is how Dante spent his summer. And just for historical interest, his colleagues this summer at the other priors is Nofo de Guido Buonafedi, Neri di Messer Jacopo del Guidice Alberti, Nello di Arighetto Doni, Bindo di Donatello Bilenchi, and Ricco Falconetti. And then the Galfoniere was Fazio di Micciola and Aldo Brandino Dugicione da Campi was the secretary. So these are like the eight people that he was spending the summer in the tower with. And Dante is about 35 years old at the time, either 34, 35. We don't know exactly when Dante is born, but we do know that he was born in the sign of the Gemini. So, that's all we're going to have in this episode. Just the setup for, in a bigger sense, the letter to from, from Dante to the Cardinal in 1304 when the Cardinal is coming to broker a peace in Florence. But there is so there are so many things before that. So this is just from the earliest days of 1300 until the middle of June of 1300. So with that, hope some of this is interesting. There are going to be a couple of more episodes just to get the full 
full background, the full picture. And um, this is also interesting how it ties into the Divine Comedy. So with that, hope you're still having a great day and uh, maybe a cup of coffee if this is in the morning for you. And as always, thank you so much for listening and see you again in another episode.